Good Friday morning, a controversial vote overnight in Tennessee. Two lawmakers thrown out of office, the latest showdown over guns in America. It is April 7th. This is Today. Chaotic scene inside Tennessee's Capitol overnight. Two Democrats removed from office by Republicans for breaking House rules during a protest against gun violence on the chamber floor. Nothing less than 75 people overruling the wishes of 78,000 people. And you're going to cut off debate? Give me a break. This morning, inside the dramatic showdown, the reaction, and what's next? Breaking overnight, Israel launching rare new airstrikes in Lebanon as well as Gaza as tensions intensify in the Middle East, including a deadly shooting in the West Bank. We're there live. Holiday getaway, millions heading out for the long Easter weekend. Storms causing delays on the roads and at the airports. We'll have everything you need to know and Al's forecast. All that plus Battle of the Bulge, the new research on how men and women differ when it comes to gaining and losing weight, confirming what women have been saying for years. And Cinderella story, amateur Sam Bennett with a historic start at the Masters. The impressive debut inspired by the touching final message from his father he carried with him. Today, Friday, April 7th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today. Nice to have you along with us on a Friday morning. We're dressed up like Easter eggs. We're, We're ready. ready for the holiday We weekend. are ready. And you know who else is ready? Uh, Pope Francis. A very busy days ahead for him. He'll be leading Easter services at the Vatican. While he continues to bounce back from his recent hospital stay, Ann Thompson is in Rome. She'll join us with a live report. Of course, a lot of Americans are getting ready to see family and friends for the holiday weekend. Tom Costello has the travel outlook covered this morning. And you can't talk travel without talking weather. There's some severe weather to watch out for. Of course, Al will have our full forecast. But on a Friday morning, let's get to our top story. Tennessee's Republican-led House voting to expel two black Democrats over their protests for stricter gun laws just days after that deadly shooting in Nashville, an effort to oust a third Democrat who is white, failing by just one vote. NBC's Priscilla Thompson has the very latest on that. Priscilla, good morning. Savannah, good morning. It was an emotional day at the Capitol. All the Tennessee State House needed was a Republican supermajority to oust those Democrats, and that is exactly what they had. This move is unprecedented. It has only happened three times since the Civil War, sending tensions boiling over in the chamber and sending shockwaves now across the nation. Overnight, Republican state legislators in Tennessee defending their actions. Call it peaceful, you can call it whatever, but they had a protest against House policy on the floor. After a high-stakes showdown in the state house ended in the unprecedented expulsion of two Democratic lawmakers who took to the floor last week to rally for stricter gun laws. We are still here and we will never quit. The GOP-controlled House voting Thursday to oust state representatives Justin Jones and Justin Pearson. We called for you all to ban assault weapons 
and you respond with an assault on democracy. While a motion to expel Representative Gloria Johnson narrowly failed by just one vote. When asked why she was spared, Johnson saying this. It might have to do with the color of our skin. But State House Republicans denying that claim. Our members literally didn't look at the ethnicity of the members that were up for expulsion. The two ousted representatives calling the vote an act of political retribution. Do you feel this is a dangerous precedent? This sets a very dangerous precedent for the nation that other states will follow because these extremists here have emboldened this ideology that we can silence voices of opposition. President Biden calling the expulsion shocking, undemocratic, and without precedent. Meanwhile, students nationwide demanding action in the wake of last week's deadly school shooting in Nashville that took six lives, including three children. I need them to listen because I don't want to feel unsafe at school. It's part of growing frustration among younger generations over the lack of progress on gun reform. No more silence and gun violence! As thousands of students organized a week of action, including walkouts in 41 states, stretching from San Francisco to Uvalde, Texas, to North Carolina. The three Tennessee lawmakers say their fight is far from over. But one thing we won't do is ever quit. We will never quit. So Priscilla, what is next? What can these ousted lawmakers do now? Yeah, so what will happen next is these counties will appoint interim representatives to fill those two uh, seats of the expelled lawmakers until a special election can be held. And overnight, we heard Nashville's uh, mayor tweeting that the city council could send Representative Justin Jones back to fill his seat in the interim until a special election, at which point he could be reelected. Savannah? So those who were expelled may then run for reelection when the special election is called. Exactly. They could run for re-election and they could even be uh, sent back by the counties to fill those seats in the interim. So it will almost be as if they never left. Priscilla Thompson in Nashville for us. Priscilla, thank you very much. Let's turn now to the escalating tensions in the Middle East during the holiest week of the year. Israeli forces striking more targets in Gaza and Lebanon overnight after militant groups fired dozens of rockets into Israel. NBC's Raf Sanchez joins us now from Tel Aviv. Raf, good morning. Good morning. This week's violence started here at the Al-Aqsa Mosque complex in Jerusalem, but it didn't stop here. And this morning, this chaotic situation has been spreading across the region from Lebanon to Gaza and now to the occupied West Bank. This morning, Israeli jets pounding targets in Gaza and unusually southern Lebanon. The wave of airstrikes across two regions aimed at the Hamas militant group which Israel says was responsible for a barrage of rockets from Lebanon on Thursday. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu saying the country's enemies will pay the price for any act of aggression. The attack from Lebanon the biggest since 2006 and sparking fears of a wider conflict. Most of the 34 rockets were intercepted, but some got through. And overnight, yet more rockets fired from Gaza. The escalation began Wednesday when Israeli forces stormed the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem, Islam's third holiest site. Images of riot police beating Palestinians, sparking fury across the Muslim world. 
Israel says extremists barricaded themselves inside the mosque, stockpiling rocks and fireworks. This is the Lion's Gate. It's one of the main entrances to the Al-Aqsa complex, and you can see heavily armed Israeli security forces control the way in and out. The violence disrupting Muslim worship during the holy month of Ramadan and marking a grim start to the Jewish holiday of Passover. And with Easter just days away, prayers for peace now more urgent than ever. And in just the last hour or so, the Israeli military says two Israeli women have been killed and a third seriously injured in a shooting attack in the West Bank. A manhunt is now underway for the gunman. But sadly, this is a bloody start to the Easter weekend here in the Holy Land. Yeah, Hoda. It is. All right. Raf Sanchez for us there. Thank you, Raf. Also this morning, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas is facing calls to be impeached over possible ethics violations. NBC's senior legal correspondent Laura Jarrett here with that story. Hi, Laura. Good morning. Good morning, Savannah. The backlash facing Justice Clarence Thomas is all about this new report alleging he secretly accepted lavish trips from a major Republican donor, raising questions about ethics and transparency on the court. It reads like the pages of Travel and Leisure, an exclusive resort in upstate New York, island hopping around Indonesia via yacht, rides on a private jet, luxury vacations for a sitting Supreme Court justice, all provided by billionaire GOP mega-donor Harlan Crow, a longtime friend to conservative Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. I like to keep that friendship. <laughs> Reporters for ProPublica say they poured through flight records, internal documents, and interviewed dozens of Crow's staff members to piece together more than two decades' worth of Thomas's extravagant trips, virtually none of which he ever disclosed. We don't have any direct evidence that anyone has used these trips to try to influence Justice Thomas, but there's also just an enormous amount we don't know about what happens on these trips. NBC News has not independently verified private flight records, and a spokeswoman for the Supreme Court did not comment. But the jet-setting lifestyle reported by ProPublica stands in stark contrast to the more modest image Thomas has sought to project. In a statement to NBC, Crow called Thomas and his wife Ginny dear friends who have never asked for any of this hospitality. Crow goes on to say he, quote, never sought to influence Justice Thomas on any legal or political issue. Unlike other federal judges, Supreme Court justices don't have an ethics code and don't have to disclose meals and stays at private homes or other entertainment that is personal hospitality. But the disclosure exemptions were updated last month to clarify trips on private planes must be reported. The natural inclination is for conservatives to say this is innocuous and liberals to say this is horrible. And I'm coming down here in the middle by saying it's not as clear as you might suppose. Democratic lawmakers are now renewing calls for stiffer ethics rules. How do you think Justice Thomas responds? I mean, is there any scenario in which he responds at all? I think he stays quiet on this one. In the past, when he has faced ethics scrutiny over his wife's activism and cases related to the 2020 election, he hasn't said much of anything. I think it just underscores that Supreme Court justices are really policing themselves. They are policing themselves. I mean, people would be surprised to know there there isn't a code of conduct. There is, is there for nothing. This, for the There's high a court. lot of pressure for it. A lot of members of Congress pushing for it, but no movement on that. But if they were to do it, they'd be writing their own code of conduct, likely. Perhaps. Yeah. We'll see so, whether they do it. Yeah. Laura, thank you very much. All right. Meantime, all eyes on the Pope as he leads Holy Week celebrations at the Vatican and also to see how he's rebounding after that recent health scare. NBC's Ann Thompson is right there in Rome for us. Hey, Ann. 
Pope Francis powering through Holy Week, the 86-year-old animated, energized, engaged, showing few after effects of last week's hospitalization for bronchitis. By getting back on the job so quickly, the Pope is effectively saying, you're not rid of me yet. I'm here. I've got an agenda and I'm moving full speed ahead with it. His stamina challenging week began with Palm Sunday Mass, where he thanked those who prayed for him during his illness. They included these high school seniors from Chicago. It means a lot just that he, he celebrated the Mass with us today. Francis brought children along for a ride in the Pope Mobile at his general audience Wednesday, then went to a juvenile prison for Holy Thursday Mass. Speaking without notes, he told the inmates Jesus will not abandon them, a promise symbolized by the washing of feet. Leaning on his cane with rolled-up sleeves, the Pope washed and kissed the feet of 12 young men and women, one inmate brought to tears. The voice of Deacon Zane Langenbrunner will fill St. Peter's Basilica Saturday night at Easter Vigil Mass. The 29-year-old from Mishawaka, Indiana, who played in his high school band, now plays with a rock band of fellow seminarians in Rome. A little more than 50 days from becoming a priest, he will chant the Easter proclamation for Pope Francis. Will this be the first time you've sung at a papal mass? Yes. Are you nervous? A little bit, yeah. You know, the most challenging part about it is how long it is. I think the thing I'm most nervous about is my voice kind of giving out halfway through, so... But I'm going to pray, pray for the Holy Spirit to have that grace to, to finish it. Well, after Zane sings on Saturday night and Pope Francis presides at that Mass, he will preside at the Easter Sunday Mass here in St. Peter's Square and then deliver his speech to the city and the world. There are no signs that Pope Francis is slowing down at all, Hoda. Yeah, none at all, Annie. Uh, thank you so much. A lot more to get to mm-hmm. this morning. Craig joins us. Good morning. Hey, good Friday, yeah. Savannah, Hoda. Uh, good morning to you as well. Millions of Americans hitting the roads and airports to start the holiday weekend. And once again, dangerous weather on the move, and that weather could impact those travel plans. Mr. Roker standing by with some trouble spots to watch. But first, NBC's Tom Costello joins us from Regan National Airport. Tom, good morning to you, sir. Craig, what did we say yesterday morning? The number one advice, leave early, right? Leave before 8 a.m. if you can. And in fact, if you're leaving early, you're going to get a good jump start. We've got some delays and cancellations building because we have had some weather. Let's start with where we are on the numbers right now. FlightAware reporting 663 delays so far, 120 cancellations. I got to say, not bad. We are in springtime. We have volatile weather. Take a look right now at the most impacted airports we expect today, and they include the following. New York City, the D.C. airports as well, Reagan especially, Charlotte, as well as Seattle and Houston. So these have kind of been linchpin linchpin airports. Miami, of course, down on the very south. All of these have been linchpin airports over the last few weeks. A lot of volatile weather. We're going to be watching that. By the way, the TSA reporting, we're at uh, pretty much pre-pandemic levels in terms of passenger flows exceeding 2 million passengers every day. We had 2.5 million on Sunday. So that's a very, very big number. We expect big numbers again this weekend as well. If you're driving the national average for gasoline right now, 358, and you're thinking, yeah, that's a lot of money, 17 cents more than a year ago or a month ago, rather. But keep in mind, last June, we hit $5 a gallon. So 358 a gallon right now doesn't seem so bad. 17 cents in a month, 
but you're uh, significantly below where we were last June. Craig, back to you. All right. Tom Costello for us on this Friday. Tom, thank you. Let us turn to Al. Get more on the forecast. Mr. Roker, what's shaking eggs and bacon? Well, we are looking (laughs) at, uh, we can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. We've got some uh, flood watches down through the lower Mississippi River Valley, especially around New Orleans. Heavy showers and thunderstorms. This front is just going to be hanging around for a while. So for today, this stall front draped across the southeast, slow moving storms, really heavy rain. And so Houston, New Orleans, Atlanta probably see some slowdowns. Same in Nashville. Charlotte going to be looking at some slowdowns. Not great news uh, for those who are going to be uh, at uh, the Masters today or tomorrow. Widespread rain sp- uh, crawling to the east. Isolated flash flooding. So tomorrow, if you're traveling, Charlotte, Atlanta, all having delays. Orlando and Miami most likely seeing a few delays as well. Heavy rain, especially through the Carolinas on into Georgia. And as we get into the Gulf locally, five inches of rain or more. So there could be some localized flooding. Big changes next week. I think you're going to like it. Ooh, I like that. Who else is ready for Easter? Yeah. That's Mr. Mr. Fruit Stripes Gum Tie over here. How awesome Yikes is that? Stripes. Look at Oh, you. wow. We did it. We oh, looked. my God. It it's amazing. It's a ringer. Yikes. Love it. Peach love nuts it. got a piece of gum back. Stripes. Remember Fruit Stripe Gum? Yeah. It tasted good for like six seconds. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. Okay. The striped Zebra. I know. Fantastic. Happy Easter. I yeah. know. We're all feeling it. All right. Still ahead, guys. Uh, one man's creative solution to help people in need that's taking off in Austin, Texas. And it may be an example that other cities could follow. Harry Smith will have that story. But first, Dr. Roshni Raj is here, and she will help us break down that new research when it comes to the Battle of the Bulge. That's going to have a lot of women saying to their hubbies this morning, I told you, (laughs) (laughs) right after this. He would lie his way into their dreams. He was looking for James Bond girls. How fun would that be to be a Bond girl? Then twist them into a nightmare. This guy's done this before. He'll do it again. Until a group of women banded together to put him behind bars and keep him there. You have to participate fiercely, fiercely in what happens next. I'm Keith Morrison, and this is Murder in the Hollywood Hills, an all-new podcast from Dateline. All episodes of Murder in the Hollywood Hills are available now. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna book club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. Back now, 738 this morning on your health, men, women, and weight. Nearly 42% of Americans are obese, according to the CDC. And now some fascinating new research is revealing the differences in our brains and the way they're wired. And it can impact when and how much we eat. You read that very straightly. Like, yes, you, didn't, yeah. like you haven't known that like all along. Like, duh. <laughs> Dr. Roshni Raj is a gastroenterologist and associate professor at NYU Langone. Dr. Raj, good morning. good morning. I feel like women have been saying this. We sort of know that when we eat, it is a, there's an 
emotional component. But now we actually have some research to back that up. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great to have real scientific validation. And that's what this study is providing, because these are really advanced types of MRIs, which not only look at pictures of the brain and structure, but also function and connectivity of the brain. And it shows that in people who are obese, uh, men and women, by the way, there are changes in the structure and function of your brain. The signaling pathways are different, which leads to more things like food cravings or food addiction. Uh, But they did find distinct differences between men and women, women tending to have more of the emotional triggers Mm -hmm. and things like anxiety and depression, early childhood trauma playing a big role. Mm -hmm. Whereas for men, it seemed to be more about sensations of hunger and fullness in the gut. Mm -hmm. But it's just very fascinating because, you know, we're talking about a a condition that affects over 40 percent of the U.S. population, right? Obesity. And so anything that helps us really understand what's triggering it and how that's different for men and women, I think is very valuable. We're kind of smiling about it because, you know, women are always like, why is it so easy for my husband to lose weight? He eats sugarless gum and yeah. 10 pounds the next day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does this does this study shed any light on that thing that we kind of feel instinctively yeah. like? It's harder for women. Absolutely, because in this study, what they showed was for women, the reward centers in their brain. So the things that, you know, make us, if we're stressed or upset and we want to get something to make us feel better, they're much more heightened in terms of relationship to food than they are for men. Mm. So for women, they really do, you know, if they're feeling more anxious or stressed, they're really going to look for the food. And in this study, they showed really highly processed foods tend to mm-hmm. attract women more. Whereas for men, it's much more of a kind of physical sensation, not so much of an emotional comfort-seeking behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, food addiction and, and all of these overeating habits really happen for all people, men and women who are obese. But it seems like it's very different what's triggering it in women compared to mm-hmm. men. What did the study reveal about the, the reasons that men put on weight, the reasons that men are overweight? So we, we all have hormones that govern whether we feel hungry or full. And for men, these seem to play a more dominant role and also just different sensations in their gut, literally. So feelings of indigestion or hunger, those are things that really motivated men more than for women. For women, it was more of these emotional comfort-seeking behaviors. So what do you do? So, okay, you did brain scans, which is fascinating. Yeah. You can actually physically see the difference yes. of, of how your brain changes. Yeah. So does that mean to have sustainable weight loss, you have to re- jigger how your brain is working? Absolutely. And, and I think that's the point here. This is not a static thing like, oh, my brain's messed up. What? Yeah, There's nothing to do. You can actually rewire your brain, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. And there are many ways you can do that. And there are things about addressing emotional triggers that could be through medications, you know, addressing things like dopamine or serotonin or things like therapy. You know, different types of behavioral therapies can help as well. But there's absolutely things you can do. And I think what I like about the study is it shows us this is not all about just sheer willpower. And there's a lot of judgment, you know, associated with obesity. If you're looking at someone's MRI of their brain and it's different, you realize there's a lot going on there that they don't necessarily have immediate control over, but there are things that they can do to really rewire that. Cool. Cool. Dr. Raj, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Mr. Roker, what you got? Ow. Oh, He's having a Krispy Kreme. <laughs> you know what? Come on. That was so... <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Sorry. need to rewire your brain, Al. <laughs> what brain? <laughs> anyway, let's show you what we've got going on. So here's the deal. We have had an unrelenting pr- uh, a pattern of storm tracks bringing these powerful jet stream across the middle of the country. And we've seen all this severe weather, 150 mile per hour plus jet stream, those winds really powering that. Well, over the weekend, we'll still see some storms in the northwest, but that storm track into the northwest. But this is a weaker jet stream across much of the country. So more tranquil weather as we go into the weekend. And look at this. Next week, 
jet stream pushes up to the north. We got a huge ridge of high pressure building from coast to coast. That means we are looking at highs next week. 15 to 30 degrees above average. How about that? And even better, no major severe weather is expected next week. Hey, how about that? And in fact, uh, the cold will slide to the south over the, today. Raleigh, a little cooler than average. Jackson, Memphis, Lexington, seven degrees cooler than average. Then we get a temperature swap out west. You're going to be warmer. Denver near 70. Chicago, 62. Atlanta, though, 22 degrees cooler than average. 49, 60 in Charleston. And as we move into early next week, temperatures start warming up. By Tuesday, St. Louis, you're going to be 76. Nashville, 74. 79 in Omaha. Here in New York City, we're going to see temperatures flirting with 80 degrees. Yes! Come on, come on. That deserves a chocolate cream donut. And that's your latest weather. Guys? All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, of course, the best. <laughs> what are you doing? Slower being a little too high. <laughs> Just being weird. Just being weird. <laughs> All right, guys, we got a good pop star coming yeah. up. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Affleck going viral for displaying a talent a lot of people didn't realize he had. We're going to have that and so much more in pop star. All right. And then an intimate conversation with Tony and Emmy winner Kristen Chenoweth during Holy Week on the true power of faith and forgiveness. Unforgettable conversation. Can't mm-hmm. wait to share with you.